Welcome to the next episode of Petonomics. This is part two of a two-part special on dog training and cat behavior. This is your host Isha, and today we have Raj. We have Citizen Canine Dog Training. She's also a certified cat behaviorist, and she's here to tell you all about how to deal with basic cat training and also understanding your cat better, and also dealing with misconceptions that people may have about cats. Uh, hello, Raj. We. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Happy I'm- to be talking about cats. Yeah. So cats are often like overlooked when it comes to pets. We don't think they, we consider them low maintenance, and they are relatively low maintenance. But there's a lot of aspects about them that go generally unnoticed. So I'm really excited to have you on and tell us a little bit more about the secret life of cats. <laughs> Absolutely, you're bang on when you say that. You know, people tend to think that cats are low maintenance and. In some sense, if I compare them to dogs, you know, I don't need to take them out for two to three walks a day. But if I leave that aside, there's still things that you need to do with your pet cats. Mental and physical stimulation and attention is as important for your pet cat. So while you may not have to take them on three walks in a day, uh, you should still be devoting time to their physical and mental exercise, just as you would do with a dog. So uh, it's very important. Cats do require play. Most people actually think that a cat can just be left alone to its own devices. While you may be able to do that and get away with it, but in many other cases, you may see cats destroying furniture, uh, scratching your walls, destroying other objects, uh, and essentially doing things that are inappropriate for a domesticated cat to do. So what was the path leading up to you becoming a cat behaviorist or a feline behaviorist? So I have a dog called Tequila and, you know, I'd never really been around cats, not thought too much of them. I'm an animal lover, so I didn't have too many strong feelings about cats. Uh, but one fine day, she found a kitten that had been abandoned and the kitten was a day old. It essentially looked like a little rat. It took me some time to figure out that it's a kitten. And uh, we waited for about 18 hours for its mother to come back, but it didn't. And so I took it home and it lived in a box for two months. It was very tiny. Uh, Its eyes opened, it started moving around. And then I realized that my dog loved this little kitten, taught the dog to shoo off any crows when the kitten would walk around on the terrace. You know, because the kitten was so tiny, the crows could have picked her up. And there then began my love story with cats. After I got her in, I started fostering stray kittens. And probably in the last eight years, my house has seen about 60 fosters in terms of kittens. A lot of them have been adopted out. But uh, there were some who were really injured or did not find homes. And so then I ended up with seven cats, uh, which is what I have today. And as part of that, then I decided to study cat behavior uh, about two and a half years ago. All right. So what are some some interesting things that you were mentioning before is how cats are really inquisitive and they need stimulation. Anything that goes back to their ancestry and cats as a species, could you enlighten us a bit about you know, the kind of interesting and really grand genetics that they do. Absolutely. So cats are part of the family of mammals and they come from a species called Felidae. Now, you probably know or realize is that the Felidae family is not just domestic cats, but also tigers, lions, panthers, leopards, cougars. 
So uh, they come from really wild ancestry. They are what we call obligate carnivores, which means they require meat. So they're natural predators. They're efficient predators. Uh, so your cat has a little bit of the wild in him or her. And it's very important to keep that alive and to give the cat an appropriate outlet for it. Yeah, so you shouldn't be surprised if sometimes you find like a dead rat at your, in your house or like some pigeons. Or as in my case, once I came home from school, I was really young and there was just like a long trail of blood leading to a dead pigeon right outside my bedroom door, like a gift waiting yes. for me. <laughs> yes, uh, so. uh, you're lucky your cat was uh, expressing some of her or his love for you. It is very common for many cat owners to come back to uh, a rat or a, a bird in their home. Sometimes, luckily for you, it was only your door. I found one once on my bed. God. So <laughs> I always get worried if I see a little mound in my bed wondering whether it's some sort of animal that the cat has dragged in. Uh, but it is very common for them. They do have the prey instinct is very alive. Some domestic cats may not do it, but be prepared for your own pet cat to want to look at birds, to kill them. And it's not just birds and rats. Uh, lizards are pretty common. Any sort of reptile, they would look at killing because they are natural predators. And what is a way to establish what type of a cat you have? Uh, referring to indoor-outdoor cats or an indoor cat. Right. How do you establish these boundaries? Because I know typically that uh, unneutered stray cats may be more likely to go out, even if you don't want them to. Absolutely. So for cats, it's very important, as I would say for dogs, to look at your own situation. Um, if you live in an apartment building on the second or third floor, I would not recommend an indoor-outdoor cat. I would also not recommend letting your cat go outdoors if it is unneutered or unspayed. A burgeoning cat population is part of like a much larger problem, not just in terms of stray cats, but also an increase in cat population then leads to extinction of other species. Domestic cats have been responsible for the extinction of at least 35 wild species. So it's very important that you be a responsible cat owner. So if you want your cat to be an indoor outdoor cat, make sure that it's neutered or spayed. Um, also relates back to the fact that your cat could get lost and disappear. Uh, so make sure that the neutering or spaying is done. And the second thing is that your cat has to have a recall or a come here. Uh, which means that your cat should come back when it's called. It's unsafe. Otherwise, especially in a city, to leave your cat to go in and out without having a chance to call it back. All right. And and going back to these misconceptions, like cats are low maintenance, some other misconceptions are things like cats are rude, they're cold, they're unloving, <laughs> they're just evil, which is really odd because even the biggest pet lovers can sometimes be incredibly rude about cats. Absolutely. So some of those behaviors are things like when cats latch onto you with their nails in their mouth when you rub their tummy. Something else is when they swipe at you when you stroke them, like yes. especially when you do like a full head to tail stroke. Yes. And also one of them is like, why is my cat or someone's cat just staring at me? Right. So could you explain sure. some of the reasons why they do this? Absolutely. Is it genuinely negative behavior or? No, it's it's not negative behavior. Now, in terms of the staring or a cat watching, 
because cats are good predators, they're attracted to movement. So if I'm walking around, if I'm a new person, a cat is going to look at me. A cat has very poor depth perception. So actually, he or she can't tell exactly where I am in terms of depth. Human has far better depth perception. But the other reason I think that probably... Um, contributes to a human misperception of a cat staring evilly at you is the fact that a cat can contract its pupils and make them slits. Uh, this is simply because cats are what we call crepuscular, which is that they're more active at dawn and dusk. They seem much better in dim light. They're more active in dim light. So their pupils contract simply to let in less light so that they can see better. And then that contributes to the idea that this cat is staring evil at me. Yeah, That's, and at night sometimes their people just blow out. And, absolutely, yeah. to let in more light. Um, so that's that's a huge misconception. It's likely that the cat does not want to kill you. I once had one of my dog owners saying that there's a cat in my compound and the way it stares at my dog is going to attack my dog. And I, all I did was I went down. I picked up the stray cat who was absolutely wonderful she let me stroke her and do everything and just showed them that, look, this cat does not want to kill your dog. It does not want to kill you. It is not an aggressive cat. So why do some cats latch onto you when you're rubbing their tummy or swipe at you when you're stroking them, despite maybe inviting a stroke or inviting that tummy rub? So uh, there are a couple of reasons. One is it may not like the area in which it's being touched. Lots of cats do not like being touched on the belly. If you know your own cat, you probably realize that maybe it likes to be touched near its rump. Maybe it likes to be touched under its chin. Maybe it likes to be touched in between the ears. So that's one thing. Uh, the second thing is that sometimes it can be too much. So I may touch it for a short while, but when it doesn't want to be touched anymore, there's no way for the cat to communicate maybe to you. Unless you're actually watching the cat actively. So making sure that your cat is enjoying it by watching the cat, by engaging with the cat when you're stroking it is a really good way to ensure that, you know, you're not going to get scratched. Of course, this goes back to kittenhood. And you should teach the cat to enjoy stroking, to enjoy handling while it's a kitten. That's one of the best ways to ensure that the cat is not going to claw you. Clawing is not because the cat is being willfully violent or aggressive. Sometimes it's just a case of the cat saying, hey, I've had enough. Okay, and there are some interesting, again, with cats, there's misconceptions upon misconceptions, and then there's catchy headlines or catchy headlines. <laughs> so I'm just going to give you two headlines that sure. I've read, and you can just tell me more about them. One is, do cats see us as bigger, dumber cats? <laughs> and the second one was, cats only meow for humans. So let's take them one by one. Are we bigger, dumber cats to my cat? No, I would highly doubt that. Cats do not see us as bigger, dumber cats. Um, they probably see us as bigger and dumber other species, but not other cats. Uh, and that relates back to your second question. If they meowed only to humans, then why would they see us as cats, right? Some cats may see us as big, dumb food sources, some cats may see us as bigger and slower playmates, but uh, it would be very hard to scientifically 
approve or disprove this, but it's highly doubtful that they see us as bigger and dumber cats. We don't move in the same ways. We don't smell the same. Uh, we don't smell the same. We don't have whiskers. We don't use other types of vocalizations to communicate. Although which... we try really hard sometimes. <laughs> yes, we do. Constantly. Yes, we do. We can't purr. Um, so now in terms of the meows, yes, it is said that cats will meow only to other humans. But uh, say, for example, kittens meow to their mother. And cats have a pretty wide range of vocalizations and meows are just one of them. Cats hiss, cats growl, they purr, they trill. So there are certain types of meows you may hear for yourself as a human, but there's a whole other wider range of sounds your cat will be making. Cats also purr at humans. They may purr at other cats. So watch out for that and not just the mew. Unfortunately, the only cat vocalization that we seem to be talking about a lot is the mew. But there are many others. And how does someone deal with something like cat aggression? Especially when you have two cats, which is typical to have a pair of cats. How do you deal right. with aggression between them? Because sometimes if you put your hand in, you're going to get destroyed. <laughs> yes. So I definitely would not put my hand in. It's actually one of the more common things I get called in for, which is cat-to-cat aggression. That is intra-pack within a pack. Lots of people, even if they have a couple of cats at home, will not have separate resources. Uh, if you have many cats or multiple cats at home, I would want separate food bowls for each cat. I would want separate feeding areas. I would want separate resting areas, separate litters. And for you as their human you would take each cat and spend one-on-one time with the cat. Say if you have two cats, I would take one cat in, physically and visually separated from the other cat while I played with it and did some bonding work with it. Same with the other cat. So it's very important that your cats have that separate one-on-one time with you. And then, of course, within the home itself, enough other activity. So having a nice perch to look out onto a view having enough vertical surfaces for the cat to climb, especially if one is trying to get away from the other. Um, Having enough visual stimulation, you could dangle things, that sort of stuff. So it's very important that the cats, like I was saying earlier, have enough stimulation and enough separate resources. Okay. And some other aspects about training your cat, which is something that people don't think about too much, like training my cat. Right. that, That sounds odd. Is litter training or, you know, just bathroom training. Mm -hmm. So some of the ways I have seen uh, cats being trained and how I train my cat. My cat personally pees over the drain in the bathroom. Some people use litters. And the most accomplished of them all, I've seen some videos of cats peeing and pooping directly into the toilet. So how do you deal with teaching cats those three methods of peeing? Litter training uh, and teaching a cat is relatively easy. So for a litter, I would just constrain the area that the cat is allowed in. So have a sleeping space, have food bowls, have the water bowl, and then say, for example, a litter tray. Uh, Now, in terms of having a litter tray, if uh, the cat has been used to a litter from somewhere else, like a shelter or a breeder, I would buy the same brand, put it, if it's a young cat, in a litter tray that's maybe smaller, doesn't have a very high edge so that it's easy for the cat to get into. Uh, Make sure, you know, put the cat there, especially after mealtimes, so it learns to pee there. Similarly with the drain, I would take the cat over there. Um, 
depending on the age of the cat, I may simulate the anal genital region with a wet rag. That's actually what the mum does uh, when both cats and dogs are born, actually, because they are unable to do it on their own. Okay. So the anal genital region is licked by the mother cat or the mother dog. You have a very, <laughs> you have a little disgusted look on your yeah. face, but you you get used to it. I think that's the other fact of life. If you have dogs and cats, you get used to cleaning in all sorts of spaces. I'm so glad that my cat was just <laughs> came trained. <laughs> yeah, it's very easy to train, litter train a cat. So I would do the similar thing on top of a drain. I haven't really ever recommended uh, doing it over a toilet seat. Is that even uh, possible or is that just like an internet thing where... That once... is possible. That is possible. Um, but, you know, how many bathrooms will you have, especially if your cat wants to litter in different areas? You would also have to leave the bathroom door open at all times. Not all Indian households are capable of doing that. And then, of course, we have our own Indian toilets. So I'm not sure about a cat directly pooping over those or peeing over those. Okay. And uh, you had mentioned some things about what cats need in a house just to feel satisfied, just to be able to make that space their mm-hmm. own. One was vertical spaces to climb up on, a place that they have a view outside the window from. Yes. Just the access to toys and like little things that they might be able to play with and have be stimulated by. What is some way we can make cats feel or be safe? Because there are a lot of aspects about houses that may not our houses that may not be safe for them one is balconies absolutely they love chewing on plants and some may be poisonous to them so could you tell us a bit more about that so uh, as you rightly said balconies can be a hazard even though lots of people think that if a cat falls from whatever height it'll fall on its feet that's not true it's not safe for a cat to fall from the third or fourth floor or anything higher so ensure that you have cat proof netting Uh, Because a cat's nails are sharp, it will tear through any sort of cheaper netting or maybe bird netting. So make sure that's put in. Uh, The other thing, as you said, were plants. Uh, So ensure that there are some plants that are um, toxic to cats. One of them is called Diffenbachia. I think it's pretty common in Indian homes. Uh, Cats are also um, not so good with essential oils. So if you use them on yourself or you have diffusers, make sure that, say, for example, if you put tea tree oil into a diffuser, your cat has a space in your house to go into, which does not have the diffuser smell. Um, Similarly, with the sorts of products you use to mop your floors, some chemicals can be harsh on cats. And remember, because they groom themselves, and they groom themselves by licking their paw and then rubbing their paw sometimes all over their body or licking their body with their tongue. You don't want the cat to ingest chemicals. Similarly, for any sort of human medication or dog medication, you should not be leaving that out uh, because cats can get anywhere and everywhere. Remember, they climb all sorts of surfaces. So it's very important to cat-proof the house. Yeah, and it's important also not to leave your little trinkets out because your cat's going to be very uh, interested in pushing it off the ledge. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Cats are... uh, pretty famous I think for pushing off all sorts of things so if you have show pieces or anything like that make sure they're behind the cupboard or heavy enough so that your cat can't or just, heavy enough because if it's a yeah. small little glass piece it's, it's going to fall off at some point absolutely so I think we've covered a lot of interesting aspects about cat behavior 
And I think we've successfully busted some interesting myths that we've seen come along, you know. Uh, some of the myths that I mentioned, cats being evil, unlucky. It's 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 very odd, but it I'm really glad odd. that you've been able to. Especially since um, ancient Egyptians worshipped cats. I mean, there are Egyptian goddesses that are worshipped that take the form of cats. So in a, quite a few cultures, cats are seen as sacred or very lucky. So um, A, that's not true. And B, I think cat staring is just relating back to how fabulous they are as a species. Yeah. And also we stare a lot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like if everyone thought I wanted to kill them just because I looked at them, it would be a little a little mean. Yes. <laughs> so I think now we can also go on to some fun facts about cats and end on that because we've got a lot of negative aspects and busted them. So let's just have a bit to celebrate sure. them. I think one of the coolest things about cats is that they purr at a sound frequency of 25 to 105 hertz. Now, that's scientifically proven to be like a healing frequency and they frequently use it to self-heal. So if they have injuries, maybe a broken bone, the purring actually helps their healing. In fact, a lot of studies say that a purring cat sitting on top of you may help uh, your own healing. And blood pressure too. I read a study about how Cats can reduce your blood pressure, which was quite interesting. Absolutely. I mean, there are many studies that say that having a cat uh, is better for your well-being. I mean, I won't comment on the scientificness of it, but there are enough studies that say that. I think the other thing that is pretty cool about cats is they have about 100 maybe muscles in their ears. Wow. So their ears can actually move 180 degrees. Oh, okay. uh, it's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. And, and they can see it really well in the dark, which is... In dim light. Yeah. Yes. Not as much in the dark as in the correct words are absolutely in dim light. Their vision is best in dim light. They don't have the depth perception, but any movement in dimmer light, much better than humans. Um, they also have binocular vision, as do humans, which means that part of our vision overlaps. It's just that their um, like field of vision is much larger than ours. If we can see, I'm not sure how much humans can see, but cats can see about 200 something degrees out. And just like dogs, they also do have just two cones, I believe, yes. that uh, restrict their color vision, color palette to like blue and green. Absolutely, just like dogs. Um, but like dogs don't use their whiskers for gauging spaces, but cats do. Um, and like dogs may pee to mark, cats will rub uh, their face or their whiskers against something to mark. Including you, right? Including you. When your cat is rubbing his face or her face against your leg or your head, he's secretly like, you are my property. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The other cool thing about cats is that even like most pet cats could outrun Usain Bolt. Oh, my cat, my lazy Persian cat, outruns my German Shepherd, which is like a whole other level of wow. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like you expect this like herding dog who like trains for like two hours a day or runs for like that much to be able to outrun a cat who just sits at home and like lazes about. But no, he is yep. completely outrun. Your pet cat can outrun Usain Bolt. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's a great place to conclude our episode. Do you have any parting words? I think um, if you're getting kittens or a kitten home 
uh, ensure that you spend an appropriate amount of time socializing it with people socializing it with different times of stroking and touch even putting your hand in its mouth so that giving it pills becomes easier grooming it exposing it to children exposing it to different sorts of objects this is very important because cats will then get really scared or freaked out sometimes even if you put a cucumber down look up cats and cucumbers and you'll see many funny videos that's only because those cats have not been correctly socialized as kittens same thing with sounds the more confident uh, and exposed correctly that a cat is it's not going to be running away and hiding again you want your cat to be confident so that it doesn't fear things because fear and anxiety does impact quality of life so remember to socialize a kitten appropriately when you have it yeah and also just grow some lemongrass and wheatgrass so absolutely cats love lemongrass what we call lili cha in gujarati or gauti cha in marathi uh they love eating it it calms them down it's fabulous oh and one most important thing that most cat owners don't do is to habituate the cat to the carrier do not use the carrier only to go to the vet get it out much before vet visits and make sure that the cat has plenty of pleasant experiences within the carrier so that you can use it for any type of travel and so that you can put the cat in without having to run around and chase her and wrestle her in there all right and that's bringing us to the end of part 2 of our two part special thank you so much for joining in rajbi we hope you enjoyed the episode i absolutely loved it thank you so much for having me and uh, stay tuned on wednesdays for our next episode we release them weekly also if you have any feedback or want to send a recommendation about topics or just have some questions please email us at bonjour@eplog.media we're available on all major streaming sites like spotify apple podcast geo7 and castbox stay tuned